Hello. Hi, John. <laughs> Hi, Marilyn. <laughs> Hello. Beep. 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 The beeps have been exchanged. Beep. When I when I when I text beep. you out of curiosity, beep. When I yeah. out of curiosity, when I text you and I say, I'm just, I'm gonna not gonna do it in the voice. I'm just gonna say it. when I say good morning, Captain. Mm-hmm. Have we talked about this? You know what I mean. You know that reference, right? Morning, Captain. Well, it could be a slant record, but before that, mm-hmm. good. I'll do it in the voice. Good morning, Captain. Still don't know what it is. Good morning, Captain. Sounds like something Paul F. Tompkins says to you when you you meet in the hall in a cruise ship. Oh, oh. Good I, morning, Captain. He, he might be making the same exact reference. He can't remember your name. No, I was thinking <laughs> of uh, when Captain Kangaroo comes on. Oh. They they do a cold open where they show a bunch of. Uh, People, sometimes CBS celebrities, but sometimes it could be a farmer or a telephone operator, and they, they greet Captain Kangaroo at the top of the show, and they say, good morning, Captain. There's, there's good compilations of this out there. Wow. That's what I mean. Yeah. Good oh, morning, Captain. Oh, that, that contextualizes it so – oh, thank you for – thank you, Merlin. Now I know – what good morning, Captain means, and it's a Captain Kangaroo reference, and that just pleases me to know. Good morning, Captain. Oh. Doesn't that feel good to say? That does. It feels good to hear. Now, you're a contemporary of mine. Yes. Maso Menos. Mm-hmm. Like, we're contemporary-ish, mm-hmm. and, and you didn't know that reference, so now I feel bad. So if I say that to a youth, it's fair oh. to say they'll have no idea what I'm talking about. Why would I do that? No idea, and uh, and I don't know if you explain if you spend an hour explaining who Captain Kangaroo was. Right, I don't think anyone would believe the, it's true. The TV used to have three channels. <laughs> I don't, I don't think anyone would believe it. I, I'm, it's you hard mean like to three different streaming services? No, 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 no. Um, it was all all came in over the aerial. What's an aerial? The aerial is what your grandparents called an antenna. What's an antenna? <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> right before we started, I'm not sure how this happened. I was just kind of killing time, got everything set up, and I went to uh, the the New York Times website and, and I took a quiz. I, I, should, I want to get this wording exactly right because it's I'm about to come up with a new phrase, which is meta cringe, cringe, oh. cringe. That's extra cringe because it's cringe. Oh. I took a quiz because um, the New York Times says God is uh, dead. God is. Wait, New York Times says God is dead. And the. Wait, oh shit. Oh, Elton John, Elton John. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a present for your friends to open. <laughs> there it is. You okay? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. All right, let me find this. Uh, Jen, I know I got to look for Jen X. Jen, General, Russian General. Uh, oh man, or was it Washington Post? It might have been Washington Post. But I took a quiz because apparently, and you know, this is another one of those articles that I take with so many grains of salt. Sure. First of all, you got the main article, which is Gen Z came to slay, and that's in quotes. Their bosses ah. don't know what that means. And then below that, under more coverage, it says, Cringe quiz. Are you fluent in Gen Z office speak? Okay. Gen Z office speak. Cringe quiz. Are you fluent? I'll, I'll send this to you in, in case you want to take it as well. I do want to take it. Okay. Um, sending it to you in our private text channel. Uh, the deck. Find out how well you understand emoji slang. Oh, God, no Oxford comma. Really? It doesn't cost anything. <laughs> emoji slang and reactions. Uh, emojis. Slang and reactions. Yeah. Slang and reactions. And reactions. That your Generation Z colleagues use. And it, I got, I don't know what you'll get, I got a six-question quiz where it shows you something 
that uh, might be confusing to somebody of my age, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is oh, but but this is what's great about the uh, the lead here. Mm-hmm. It's also now lumping millennials in with boomers and Gen X as people who are out of touch and don't understand the quirky new Gen Z lingo. And still no Oxford comma. With boomers, Generation X, millennials, I'm adding a comma here, I'm pausing, and Generation Z all in one workplace and increasingly communicating online, some of the quirkiness of each generation has come to light. This is the Washington Post. Now, Um, wait a minute. Why is... Why are Generation X and Generation Z capitalized, but boomers and millennials oh, are not? Whose that, style guide is this? John, is that a microaggression? I feel like it is. <laughs> and it's a microaggression that apparently Gen X and Z are are uh, are pushing on the boomers and millennials. I'll bet you Washington Post style guide probably had to formalize this. Yep. Yeah, because you know why? They get a participation trophy for being born. <laughs> the, thing, <laughs> the thing is... <laughs> Boomers and millennials are the ones that I would capitalize because those sound like number. Those sound like names. Baby boom. Well, we used to call it baby boomers in another yeah. time, but baby boomers is absolutely. If I was doing something writing about demographics, I would I would title case baby boomers yeah, personally for, for shizzle. Now, now what we're doing right now, for example, don't before you're taking the test. This is this is a this is a blue book off off test. Um, now now us worrying about. Title case capitalization Oxford commas. I'll speak for myself. I'll complain for myself. Title um, that uh, that now is that something other generations do, or is it peculiar to our our un un uh, uncapitalized generation? What what is what? Well, the, like I sweat this stuff. Why don't oh, you guys care? Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. So I have a I had a friend who was in the music industry here. Who uh, even he's he's between you and me in age. Uh, right wow. in there. So it's nice you know, grouping. Yeah, it's a little tight grouping. That's right, right at the bullseye. And he would send <laughs> things out. Uh, I'm sorry. When he would personally correspond with his friends via text or email, it was it was rife with uh, typos. And I would say, <sighs> and I did, I did say, and, and, to and him, just in passing, are those typos a good reflection of that person's intellect and or care? that was always hard to say like somebody yeah. who is gr- making grammatic errors in in personal correspondence it i it, it was enough that i said something to him oh i like, would absolutely say something like, to that person what's going on here you know like do, do you know for at least for me for this particular reader you know, I think one way to do this is very therapy-ish. But like, when you do this, I feel this, and I'm sharing that with you. When you send me something, especially something very, let's say, probably really long, you send me something, and it's got typographical errors. It, I feel like you don't care what you're writing. And what he said in return was, and this is a, this is a, you know a Gen X person, but he said, "Well, what do you? What's the big deal? It's just personal stuff between us. It's not like some." Not something that I had copy edited. It's only your anniversary card. Why would I spell your name right? <laughs> and I and I was like, whoa, what a weird attitude. And I feel like that attitude, although uncharacteristic of us, is maybe more characteristic of uh, of people who've come later who feel like, what's the big deal? It We're feels like, maybe, like there's a what's maybe the they big notice, deal but they don't care the way we're just get. like, eh, you know, oh, I got to put an extra. Con- I got to put apostrophes in things. Come on, we all know there's an apostrophe there. Right. Don't make me like reach over and 
Go all the way over to the apostrophe, and then I've got a. Yeah, I might hit return by mistake, and I'm yeah, really confused. I'm on a phone. Yeah. So so anyway, so it feels how, like how how they respond? Do you remember? He was. I think he was a little indignant at having his grammar micromanaged by a peer. Mm-hmm. But he was a professional person who I think had somebody to look over his prose before it went out in his job. Mm-hmm. And oh, interesting. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe he was just used to just you know throwing some things down on a piece of paper, and somebody else tightens it up. But you know, Ariella, she has younger people working for her, and she does say that there's a little bit of a, a typo thing. That then she has to. It's it's a it's above her. I'm sorry. It's below her below, pay grade yeah. to go through looking she's not for a, typos. She's not a copy editor, right? In press releases, but she does feel like she has to go through and skim. And, and part of it maybe is that so many of us love to copy edit. Oh, I will Love sit it. there on, this is why I, I recently explained this to, to, to Billy, which was like, you know, I have to be honest with you. I used to spend, I know you know this, but I used to spend hours a day on Twitter trying yes. to not do the 140 thing exactly, but sweating every single word. And how can I make this better? And like, in some ways I feel like the smaller it is sometimes the more time I spend on it, certainly proportionally. Mm. But like, I, I don't think... I do think there is a distinction, though, to be made between like, well, it's not that I don't notice it; it's just that I don't care like you care, and I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I care when I care when I compose it. I I care when I read it, and like, it's one of those. I, I'm not big on regret in life, but I'll be so mad at myself if I posted something like a screenshot of something that I wrote that's got a typo. <laughs> Oh, it's, but you would you'd write a thing, you'd look at it and then you'd flip the word order and then oh. you'd say, What if I took this word out and Oh, you what? would not believe how long it takes me to write like two sentences in, yeah. in a bulleted list. Anyways, but th- those are those are all good to say. I, just so you know, I scored a four out of six on this. Okay, so the first one is you I didn't real realize, time? Are you really open to doing this real time on the air? Here we go. Here we go. The, okay. I, I I didn't realize there were gonna be Emojis in this test. I didn't tell you there was going to be a test. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's six questions, and um, y'all can find this. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Put in notes. Cringe quiz. Are you fluent in Gen Z office speak? It's it's a companion piece to a larger larger omnibus project about our inability <laughs> to communicate. John, is this something you'd be interested in taking live on air? Yeah. Do you want to do? Do you want to administer the test? Yes. Because I have the graphics here, so you can you can oh, administer. Oh, can it I be me. your? Well, forgive my saying. Can I be your proctor? Yeah. Please do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Question one of six. Yeah. Your Gen Z colleague. Well, and each one of these has a really nice piece of uh, uh, art for for the question where somebody's like in a notebook like drawn what it looks like but I, i'm gonna just tell you what's in it so it almost feels like your old three by five cards yeah it does i have a lot yeah. of problems question one your gen z colleague reacts to something you said with what i will call skull emoji what is this person likely conveying i'm gonna repeat the question your gen z colleague reacts to something you said with a skull what is this person are we the baddies? What is this person likely conveying? There are four answers from which you can choose. Does it mean A, laughter, B, the end of life, C, destruction, or D, Halloween? 
Those are the three. Those are the four options. Well, it's the four they've given us here. Unless this is one of those meta tests, right? Remember the internet idiot test where we keep, keep asking you questions until you realize there was no end to the questions. <laughs> it could be some kind of mix them up. Now, 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 these kids today, only '90s kids, will appreciate yeah. that. Is it laughter? There's a skull. Somebody. You're, you, so you're doing your work with the Roderick group, and yeah. somebody uh, for what? I, well, I don't want to give it away here, but you, laughter, end of life, destruction, or Halloween. So I would look at that skull emoji and I would think the option I would look for of the four is you're killing me. Okay. Right? Like the, you're killing me. And, and, and the, skull, the skull saying you're killing me has the same sort of it can mean several different things of you're killing me. Or like, yeah. it, like for me, you're killing me means like, oh, again, with this thing, you know, drives me crazy. Yeah. Or like or or uh, or really, that's your answer. Or it's lighthearted. But it's a you're killing me. And of the four, I mean, there's so many ways to communicate laughter. Uh, hmm. the, the end of life means nothing. I don't think Gen Z remembers laughter. Now, I'm going to no, tell you, when you, click, when you click your answer, it's going to let you know if you got it right or not. And I, 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 I hope you'll – I'll share mine after you share yours. Okay. Laughter, end of life, destruction, Halloween. I do I, I don't think, I think it has to be laughter and I'm pressing it and it is laughter. Yeah. I got that one wrong. I said the end of life. <laughs> so I feel like laugh, I feel like there are so many ways to communicate laughter via emoji. You can say the, lol or lamau. Yeah, and, and, and there's how many smiley face ones where the thing is, where the person is well, smiling? You got to be careful with those, John, because I, I've been told by mm. uh, articles written by millennials about Gen Z, all mm. the things that are supposed to concern me about that, that, I, that I'm going to get wrong. I'll save that for the after the conversation. I okay. don't want to drag this out. Yeah. But no, that's one for you, uh, zero for me. Now, before we move on, yes. I heard, a, I heard a, a recent thing. I have a friend uh, who's CEO uh, often texts her when it's not working hours, uh, sometimes in the middle of the night and on Saturday morning at eight. And, you know, like one of these CEOs. CEO who's a friend of yours, an acquaintance? No, the CEO is not. The friend is a <clears throat> VP who gets texts from the CEO. Oh, shit. Ugh. And, the, and, the, and the friend is like, uh, uh, I don't want to be work. I don't want to work 89 hours a week. Uh, but I, uh, I am expected. This is a, co a common millennial problem, right? I'm because expected because if to your be boss can get at you anytime, you need to unconsciously, if I could say, as as whatever I am, Gen X, you need to mentally block out an unlimited amount of time. You can never disappear into anything if you think it's, it goes back to inbox zero in some ways. If you know there could be something that's going to blow up, and you have this this person who's constantly texting you, and like it's not okay to talk about it. Woof. Yeah, and it's a startup, and the startup culture okay. is all there in it. <coughs> but um, whenever my friend would send uh, any kind of reply that uh, about in, and it's not not just reply like I can't do this right now because I'm at uh, a wedding or whatever, but replies where it's like, yeah, we got that, we got those numbers, and they didn't line up with what we thought it was going to be, or oh, we're not, that's not going to be delivered until <clears throat> two weeks, or oh, that person's fired, or whatever. Anything that it felt like uh, it was kind of a kind of a uh, bad news or a drag, yeah. <clears throat> the CEO would reply with, "Ack," as in acknowledged, or as well, in Kathy, or as in Bill the Cat. 
Well, that's what we couldn't figure okay, out. And you know so- what we're going to do? We're going to do, we're, I got two things to say. First of all, uh, if you haven't done the test yet and you don't want to be spoiled, come back to this because okay, I'm gonna, we're going to be reading the actual answers. But but I think we need to do our own test, John, that we could build probably with, I mentioned some help from Syracuse using the Perl programming language. W- one of our questions would be something like somebody says, ACK. ACK. Does that, and, what does that mean? And so every time I like happens, Kat, personally, I like Kathy. Every time it happened, she would uh, text me and go, what does this mean? Uh, because their relationship is not close enough that she can write back and say, what does that mean, Ack? Right. Um, and so, Ack. <laughs> That's very no, Seinfeld. With no punctuation. All ack, caps? All caps? Uh, uh, all caps. Okay. And so she would send it. She would. Um, she wouldn't send screenshots because, of course, you know that's privileged uh, corporate uh, communication. Absolutely, it's happening. But she would say, uh, "Here's what I said," and then they said, "Ack, what does that mean?" And then I would send her either a Kathy <laughs> that I found on the internet, and I and I built up she, a whole. She, she's got to get ready for that weekend with Irving, which means that she's got to go try on swimsuits. Ack. <laughs> This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Rocket Money. You can learn more about Rocket Money right now by visiting rocketmoney.com slash supertrain. Let me ask you a question. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month. They think they spend $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual cost is more like, say, $200 or more. I didn't know that. I figured I do spend more than that. I need this. So right now, you could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions that you don't even know about. So it's time to start using Rocket Money, which is formerly known as Truebill. Rocket Money, that's a good name. Let me ask you this. Have you ever tried to cancel a subscription, uh, but it takes like four different tries? You know, it's like tipping over a Coke machine. Well, in less than 30 seconds, you can order a hot meal or a ride to the airport or a giant box of toilet paper. But canceling a subscription, that can clear the rest of your morning, afternoon or evening. Boo! Okay, here's what Rocket Money does. It's going to show you all of your subscriptions in one place, and it will cancel the ones that you don't want for you. That's it. They will take care of that. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out that you've been double charged for a subscription. This is all part of what they do, right? To cancel a subscription, guess what? All you have to do is press cancel. That's it. Just look for the button that says cancel. Hit it. Rocket Money takes care of the rest. So so, so here's the thing. Right now, get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money. I want you to go to rocketmoney.com slash supertrain, and that could save you hundreds of dollars per year. Once again, that's rocketmoney.com slash supertrain. Our thanks to Rocket Money for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. So I compiled <laughs> I compiled a very large reservoir of Kathy uh, screenshots. <laughs> Kathy replied. So every time she would say, what does this mean? I would send her a Kathy. And then I started sending her Bill the Cats. Oh, and, perfect. Because he's got and, that hairball. <clears throat> and and it I, went on for it went on for months. And and I kept saying, you need to find out, you need to clarify what this means because because it we could not conceive that it meant anything other than, oh, no, right? Like, right. It would and help would to say, know if the person were a veteran, I feel like. Well, and that – they were from overseas. The, the CEO is from overseas. Okay. And somebody – some I think maybe the CTO was talking to my friend at one point and said, oh, he means acknowledged. Mm-hmm. 
And it was a kind thing of like that, the way you and I, as as people who are stealing valor from our brave first responders, that what do we say? We are we're constantly saying Roger or Roger, 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 Roger. Roger, Roger. <laughs> they say too long. <laughs> Roger, Roger. <laughs> Roger, Roger. We do say Roger all the time, and yep. I'm, and and maybe a Gen Z person would say like, "Why does he keep calling me Roger?" Yeah, are they talking about the great singer Roger Whitaker? Are they talking about Rogering as, as in having sex? Should uh, I file a complaint uh, with talking HR? Talking about the act from Mash Wayne Rogers. Yeah, he keeps yeah. trying to Roger me. Ooh. So anyway, it was this great relief to realize that this was just some super spectrumy reply to. Like, I acknowledge that you have right. told me. Right. But you were able to contribute to that. Well, right? yeah. I mean, and I now I have all these Kathy uh, memes. Oh, I'm looking right like, now. I can act people all the time. Yeah. Act. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of on 30 Rock when somebody, probably Jack, makes a joke about Liz and, you know, something about a, a Kathy character and, and Liz Lemon responds, chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Act. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. All Question right, two. so- Okay, so so that that is our, our so so far uh, John one Merlin zero, uh, typical number two. You assign your Gen Z colleague. <sighs> you assign your Gen Z colleague a task on Slack and end the sentence with a period. Bum bum bum. What's risky about this message? And and in the illustration they show like a uh, actually they're doing more of an iMessage, but it says uh, imagine you got a message and well it's also they're making it look like you sent it, which is weird. Yeah. But you can send it to me Thursday. Period. That's fine. Period. Okay, so you've s- sent that. Uh, what is risky about a message that, s- message that says you can send it to me Thursday? That's fine. Periods. Periods. Number one, Gen Z hates Slack. Sorry, A. Gen Z hates Slack. B. Gen Z only reads messages that arrive via email. Huh. Who's writing these answers? What a boomer. <sighs> okay, groomer. Gen <laughs> Z might interpret the period as a mere suggestion versus an assignment, or D, Gen Z might interpret the period as a sign of anger slash coldness. So I know this one. Yeah, I, I learned this one the hard way. Yeah, and that is uh, that is D, Gen Z might interpret the period as a sign of anger or coldness. If you don't have an exclamation point at the end of your sentence, according according oh, to yep, according to the the boomer slash uh, Gen Z kind of look down their nose at younger people interpretation. It's not enough to just to uh, it's not enough to use the correct pronunciation. You must also use the inca. You remember Elmore Leonard says for most people who are writing fiction, you should use an exclamation mark every 100,000 characters in Elmore. <laughs> that was his rule of thumb. And every single time I go sounds great, I think about Elmore Leonard like just <laughs> harming him. <laughs> <laughs> the fedora just falls off the hat rack right Bonk. onto the floor. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's uh, oh, uh, yeah, way to go, Boomer. Uh, read another book. But here, but here's the crazy thing. I we we discovered this on our own because I, I rem- haven't told specifically. I've been yeah, told I, I, you sound mad when you write in sentences. You sound mad, but I yeah. felt it before anybody even said it to me. <clears throat> I remember sending something that I meant as a joke. Reading it on paper, this has been, I, I've realized now, this is my life, this is going to be my lifelong struggle, because things that I mean as a joke, when I type them, they seem very deadpan, 
And <laughs> yeah. uh, that has gotten me on tr- <laughs> in trouble on the internet. Right, right, and right. And it gets me in trouble in my personal and life. It used to be you put a winky emoticon to oh, say. I never did. Ugh. I know, but like, but like in the nineties, I learned that you're so, like if you say something you think is clearly sarcasm, you're supposed to do a winky emoticon, and then that lets people know that they're not actually fired. <laughs> yeah, and 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 realizing that just putting a period at the end was like. And and I started reflexively using exclamation points, and I felt like I felt like Elmore Leonard was scowling at me. Right. My dad. And, and now I, don't think I my feel dad like if I don't get the exclamation, exclamation point, point, they're mad at me. Well, no, yeah, right. I'm in now. Yeah. Ugh. And I so now every the, I end every single even marginally uh, uh, like uh, hard to interpret text. I I sit and agonize over which punctuation mark to use. And this happens now probably nine times a day, mm-hmm. and it's it's, it's it's only a second long agony, but it's like, can I just use a period, please? Uh, I can't, can I? But I always, but like, not to drag this out, but I, I feel like this is one of those things where John, John, we're both trying to grow. Yeah. You know, we don't have that much longer here. Well, you do. You're going to live a long time. Thank but you. like, I don't think we have that much longer here. I do think it is beneficial. Look at it this way. You say to a little kid, for example, like when I was coming up, you call everybody ma'am and sir. And you, this is, this is not a John Mulaney bit. This is really true. <laughs> when I was a little kid, you were expected to say please and thank you and please. say ma'am and sir. Yes, and please. I don't think that was terrible no, at thank you. all. And if you said, if you said to somebody or like, you know, again, the Mulaney joke is, could I please have a Diet Coke, please? If it's not an inconvenient, could I please, 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 and thank you very much, thank you, thank you. So if please you go in, pass the please pass please. the milk. You go in, you say to the person, you know, obviously you're not going to go. Hey, give me, uh, give me some nickel candy, fuckwit. Right now, and you also don't say, uh, give me, give me some nickel candy. Period. You say, uh, could I have some nickel candy? Please. Comma, and, please. Comma, please. And now, see, Washington Post, they'll leave that off because well, commas are costly. <laughs> but you say, but like, the, what you said, a little kid might go, what's the difference? You say, well, the difference is you're, you're a piece of shit if you mm. walk around wow. not saying please. Well, not Smack. saying please and thank you. And also, uh, something I advised my kid on a long time ago, you get away with a lot more in life. Mm-hmm. If you treat people well mm. and, and also are, are more polite than you need to be. Well, let is, me. Is, just, is this an example of that? Is this an example of is that the equivalent of saying please for for your nickel candy? See, I don't know whether this is happening in uh, Gen Z text Slack work culture, mm-hmm. but this is gonna this is gonna scald you. This is gonna chap oh, your butt. I don't want but that. I have butt. started to in that moment. Can I not use a period? No, I can't. Do will? Am I willing to put an exclamation point here? Am I willing to to do that? No, I'm not. I have started ending texts with no punctuation. Oh, uh, uh, yes, because and the balloon, the balloon, is the is the encompassing act, right? The balloon yeah. tightens it up, it shrink wraps it, and so it maybe serves that, as its own kind of impl- like implicit yes. p- background period, right? Or in those monsters uh, that, like Dan Benjamin, that send forty uh, t- texts in a row, mm-hmm. or uh, or Ben Acker does this too. <laughs> uh, apparently, those little bubbles are commas implied commas or i mean i <clears throat> it's very hard for me to tell what some of those text threads are trying i mean like uh, well this is the problem with them right because yeah. then you try to reply to one 
but then like four more come in in the time that you've been trying to reply. Oh, and now it's out. I hate that. I wish there was a way like, to fix that. You should be allowed ah, to fix that. Oh, you should. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got to finish. Okay. This. Anyway, we're, we're almost halfway on. done. We're almost halfway done, and we're learning okay. a lot. So I think yeah. the score right now is two to one in your okay. favor. It's it's uh, it's it's thirty fifteen. Okay. Question three of six. You say you're going to be out of pocket for a week. Your Gen Z colleague is confused. Why? Answer A. They think your clothing is out of pockets. B, they assume you're lost. C, they think it's a warning you're going to be wild or crazy. D, they think you've run out of money. So you say, I'm going to be out of pocket for a week, which is already a coinage I don't recognize. I have oh, never once in I my would life said, I'm going to be out of pocket for a week. It was definitely in parlance in um, in the 90s and 2000s, which okay. is like, or off off the grid maybe. But when we're like, out of pocket meant like there's something, usually it implied there's something going on. Um, this is a live issue we're dealing with. And like, you're like, oh, my, my kid has to, I don't know, my, my kid has to have their, they broke their tooth and I got to take them to the <sighs> dentist. So I'll be out of pocket this morning. I see. So that is a that's some work office culture stuff that went right past me. And it right implies pre-cell phone in a lot of ways. Cell phone, Jesus. Right, right, right. You, won't be, able to, you won't be uh, reachable. John, is this about clothing being lost, going wild and crazy, or is it about thinking you've run out of money? Okay, so I know that uh, I know that it's not the first one. You, they think your clothing is out of pockets. Mm -hmm. I know that's not. The answer. You've had SAT. You've had counseling classes. You know which one to just throw out. <laughs> that's stupid. Yeah. They assume you're lost. Mm, no, that the slang would have to be way, way out. It would have had to have gone through a French translator and back for that to be an option. They think it's a warning you're going to be wild or crazy. Or they think you've run out of money. I'm going to go, they think it's a warning you're going to be wild or crazy because out of pocket sounds like one of those Gen Z ways to say like, whoa, I'm a wild and crazy guy. So here I go. Hey, I got it. Yeah. I didn't think any of them made any fucking sense. So right? I picked, they're all wrong to me. And so mm -hmm. I picked the fourth one. They think you've run out of money. So you're you're doing great. You're, I mean, you're doing great compared to me, but you are a little bit, you know, a little more youthful. Than I am a little younger than you. Yeah, it's you're true. like riding that zeitgeist. Yeah, I have spent enough time sitting around uh, with uh, with younger people doing the thing where I'm like, so wait a minute, spill the tea, tell me more about the tea, and then right. they roll their eyes at me and they go, the tea. That's not even a thing we say anymore. And I'm like, okay, all right, all right, I get it, I get it. It's on right. fleek. And they're like, stop it, God, you <laughs> suck so bad. So I, I play that game with with teens. Yes. Uh, just enough that I, although I've never heard of out of pocket, it just felt. I, it, well, I mean, like it's one of those phrases where, like, you've heard a person might have heard the phrase. One of these again that drives me crazy because I do know what it means. I understand that people don't all know what this means because they're not Broadway fans like I am. But off book. And this has been a yeah. joke in sitcoms. Is like off book does not mean that you are out of pocket and losing your mind. It no. means that you've learned your lines. So when I hear you say that you're off book, I don't or, or like to, to use a term we don't use anymore. Are like you're off the reservation. Like uh, you're a wild card. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no, off book is like we're ready to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. the dress rehearsal. All right. Well, we're halfway well, but through. Out of pocket. Has, from I always assumed that what it would have. 
it would have meant uh, that you now you've spent some money for something that now you expect oh, to be reimbursed Oh, and that's an out-of-pocket expense. Oh, yeah. yes, of course. Oh, yeah. So, so on a Slack channel, if I saw that, I would say like, oh, they're going to they're going to uh, send us their receipts. It's all recoupable, John. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so that was three. All right, we're getting there. Number four, you're doing great at this. Um, Question four of six. You sent an email to a Gen Z colleague asking the person to complete a task. So they keep saying colleague, but then it sounds like you're their boss every time. It elides the bigger question of power. That would help this a lot. Are you and your boss colleagues? Is that true in business or... Is there another word? Because colleague sounds to me like someone that is at an equal level. I would in say the business structure. I would in in my version of that because you know I'm like this in like words. Um, you know, uh, a colleague to me is somebody who is pretty much roughly at your level. I would not think of, but you know, maybe it's like like Ron Ron, uh, Ron Swanson says a workplace uh, proximity associate. Like mm, I, yeah. I guess it could be your boss or. <laughs> Conversely, it could be a term I fucking hate, your direct report. It could be somebody who works for you, but I agree. I think colleague, they sh- it should be clearer about the power differential because see also your thing about the CEO and the VP. Yeah, right. Well, is this a thing where millennials went into businesses and said, um, calling you my boss is no longer a thing that we do because oh, it, uh, sure. it, it suggests uh, it's a, power it's a, hierarchy? It's a, it's a macro aggression. Yeah, and, and so – uh, everyone that works in the same uh, zip code, they're all colleagues now. Right, all, and where ideas can just hang out and do whatever. Yeah, you sent, you sent an email to a Gen Z. To, that, that's right, all of these goats are. Um, you send an email to a Gen Z colleague asking the person to complete a task. You add a smiley face emoji, and then they very thoughtfully include a smiley face emoji. At the end of your paragraph, your Gen Z colleague becomes worried. Why, oh John? God, this is going to kill boomers. I know. Uh, <laughs> they, they were just figuring this out in the first place. When they keep changing the rules, there's four options. A, your colleague doesn't want more work. B, the emoji makes your colleague think something is wrong. C, the emoji makes your colleague think you're happy there's more work. Or D, your colleague hates emojis. Well, the answer here is obvious. B, the emoji makes your colleague think something is wrong. And yes, I got uh-huh. it. Woo! Because, because what is smiling? more passive aggressive than a than a plain smiley face? Oh, so but like could that be something like take your time, smiley face? But no, but, but, but well, not yeah, really. it's like it, it, I think that smiley face is actually a clenched smile. Like, well, this uh, is why I love the grimace, the the the, the grimace icon. Uh, not not the not the purple McDonald Land character, but I've been told from some of these articles. Again, I want to super clarify this. I think a lot of this is some stirred up, made up bullshit. Oh sure, from millennials sure, who are the wax worst, lax. trying to make <laughs> it's what it's wax lax. It's uh, it's wax uh, lax. Sw- it's swinging on the flippity flop. It's oh, a lot, it's a lot of you're talking a, about zibba zabba. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a jim jam. A little bit of. So you think this is written by a millennial? Well, these, like oh, this a, whole raft of things we do, uh, this goes back, and I, again, this is probably a, a, a meta-old reference, but, oh, millennials can't buy houses because they eat avocados, and that yeah. whole narrative that started five years ago about how millennials are, are, are stupid, and like before a lot of us copped to the idea that, no, it's just that the economy has changed completely. Something yeah. they talk about on the wonderful show, um, Fleischman is in Trouble, um, I heard a wonderful interview with the woman who wrote the book and the TV show, and uh, and she was talking about how like just these 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 differences in in perception that people have 
and the way wait what was i going to say about this your colleague hates wait what was i talking about a second ago oh who knows oh. no you were you were talking about um millennials uh throwing shade oh, oh oh and she mentioned something i asked my wife this question so she had said doesn't it seem strange this is one of those hiding in plain sight things her name's taffy bro or Ackner, I think. But she said, um, there's this, what is this thing going on where like, I feel, I, as me, in my case, 56 year old guy, I feel so like, Jesus Christ, I, I feel like I know so many people who are like two to eight years older than me, who have so much more capital Mm-hmm. Whereas a ton of people younger than me ain't got no capital either. What is the deal with like people who are two years older than me having more stuff than I do? And I said, Madeline, do, do you ever feel that way? She's like, oh, I absolutely feel that way. Right? There's just this whole thing of like we haven't acknowledged that the whole there's so many things that have changed mm. about not just quote the economy, <clears throat> not just because of COVID, all these different kinds of things, but like there's just not as much of that old capital. Drifting down, your 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 your. I, I guess I'm I'm sorry. I'm not trying to sound as Ron DeSantis says woke, but mm. like no, we please. we beat the shit out of generations younger than us without ever acknowledging that we and our parents are largely responsible for why they're so fucked. Well, wait though, and I think okay. about this all the time. Just demographically, there are twice as many people in the world as there were when I was born. Oh boy! And every passing day. There are, you know, like the the population of San Francisco is so much bigger than it was when you arrived there. The yeah. population of Seattle is so much bigger than it was when I was here in bands in the 90s. The population of everywhere. And so there's just more people. There are, they're, they're, they have not built more, they have not built enough more houses to accommodate all the people that have come to San Francisco. They have not, there's just not. Uh, we haven't built uh, as fast as we're growing, and it's difficult so, to build. It, it, like apart from public housing, it's difficult. To, I was saying this to my wife. Like, like I remember before I ever moved here, I was told or had heard that San Francisco was at the time relatively anomalous. Maybe Manhattan, but like that it was anomalous in the sense that like it breaks a lot of typical economic laws because there's always somebody who will pay more for something here. But really disruptively, there's a lot of people who have a lot more. Mm. And so like there's it's difficult to say, oh, these condos that we're building in the Castro are just gonna be for people who are upper middle class, even, right? There's no way it's very difficult to res deed restrict uh, housing in such a way that only the people who super need it and can't afford anything else or you know, if you want to keep nurses and even doctors in the city, like you're gonna have to have different housing because it's all gonna be swept in and picked up by people with tons more capital. We were watching the other the other day. So one of the very few movies that I've ever there's a, there's a list of like four movies that I've uh, that I've gone to the theater to see and actually stood up in the first hour of the movie and said this is garbage I can't stay and walked out of the film. Okay. Not because I was like offended it, 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 unless you mean I was offended by how stupid it was. And I, you know, you walk out into the theater, you walk up and down until you find a, a movie that looks better that started more recently and, you know, like get your money's worth at least. <laughs> uh, one of those movies was Bugsy starring uh, oh, uh, Warren uh, Beatty. Warren Beatty, yeah, yeah. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I was afraid you were going to say there. Bugsy Malone, which would break my heart. Bugsy Malone I've seen we 80 times. could have been anything that <laughs> we wanted, wanted to be. be. No, it was Bugsy. 
Uh, I couldn't do it. And maybe it was because I was super baked, but I could mm. not do that movie. But another movie that I got up and walked out of, oh, uh, something about Mary. Couldn't do it. I was, I was like, like, it was a bridge too far. I was the like, jizz, the jizz. This yeah. is so great. And I just, I'm not in the vibe of this at all. But another one was Mrs. Doubtfire. I went to it. Hello! I went to it because I thought it was a Robin Williams movie. Yes. I, I might have also been stoned, but I got up and I was like, this is, this is garbage. I can't. It is do not, this. John, spoiler alert, it has not aged well. So <clears throat> the other day, I'm, I'm, cause I'm always with my kid, I'm always like, hey, why don't we watch uh, this, this Gary Cooper movie? <laughs> She's like, no, I, I want to watch The Simpsons or uh, I want to watch Adventure Time for the 14th time. And I'm like, no, I want you to just be exposed to the kind of late night movie culture that I, you know, like uh, Here, Here's Alien. a movie from the 80s that I assume won't be incredibly <laughs> offensive and slowly paced. Well, so she said to me, I want to watch Mrs. Doubtfire. Kids keep talking about it. Yeah. And oh, the other day, oh my God, I, this is something maybe the you and I should by fruiting. But she said to me, she said, "What? Uh, the kids are always talking about memes. Can we look at some memes?" And I was like, "We can look at memes." And so I pulled up uh, some memes, like of Kathy going "ack" and like mm. uh, like a "hang in there, baby," a cat, a wet cat on a on a uh, uh, shower curtain rod. And she was like, "No memes, like like." Uh, and as she tried to describe it, I realized it was TikTok. Uh, she was yeah. describing she was describing short videos because she, what she said was that kids were saying things to each other, like somebody would knock over a, a cup, and somebody else would go "ack," and then all the kids would do a dance move. Yeah, and she yeah. was like, they they keep saying "ack," and then everybody does like a dance move, and I don't know what it is. And I was like, oh baby, I'm I'm afraid I'm. As online as I am, I have no idea how to find those. Yeah, yeah. And we kind of stared at each other for a minute, and then she shrugged and was like, oh, I guess that's one more thing I don't know. But so she says, let's go, let's watch Mrs. Doubtfire. And I go, all right, fine. I, I think that this is a terrible movie, but let, let's do it. So we sat down together, and here comes Mrs. Doubtfire. And, uh, and the thing, the, and I know what you're thinking, the number one thing that stood out to me was that this Loser and his like professional wife live yeah. in, a, in a house that now is probably worth thirty million dollars. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I mean, it looked like they might be in Pack Heights or something. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know what it would cost, but it's like a but tent bedroom house. Miranda is making some bank, is what I'm saying. <laughs> But, but Sally like, Field is making some serious money if they can afford that house. At the time, right? At the time. For interior designer, especially. Yeah, it was just like, uh, oh, I guess that's, I mean, it was still a nice house, right? But it was yeah. like a house that, Even accounting for the fact it's the 90s, that's still a super nice house. Yeah, but they're, the, the movie is trying to portray them as middle class people. Anyway, so we watched this movie for a little while, and about an hour in, I look over at her, and she looks up at me with those eyes where she's like, this movie blows oh no and i was like really and she said oh my god it's like the parent trap except not as good Woof. and i was like tell me more and she said i know what's gonna happen yeah something terrible and then something terrible and then there's gonna be some end uh, where it all gets resolved somehow and i'm just not in it i'm i don't i don't want to I, I don't have the energy to watch another hour of this and I turned it off and we looked at each other and I was thinking, I'm so proud. I've never been so more proud. Like she totally. got up and walked out of Mrs. Doubtfire just like I did. <laughs> oh, 
such a that's that's that, that's a good feeling. Yeah. A lot of stuff doesn't translate well. Yeah, she stood up and she was like, "I'm just going to go read," and sort of, you know, slumped off. And I you was should like, journal. You should journal about that. That's really good. That's a moment. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's go back to our test. Um, just so we're up to date, we got two more questions. Um, do you remember what your score is? I Did think you, I have missed not one? one wrong yet. I okay, think I've gotten them all. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, question five. <clears throat> Wait, there's five? Question oh, wait, five. five. Question okay, five. Wait, do we do four? Question yeah, five of six. Your Gen Z colleague responds to something you said with a painting nails emoji. And this is when you see a hand and it's got, at least in this instance, purple uh, nails and there's nail polish being applied. Uh, I think this might be a comma splice. Your Gen Z colleague responds to something you said with a painting nails emoji. What is this person expressing? You have four options. Option A, it's time for a manicure. B, your colleague is suggesting sass, pettiness, or nonchalant confidence. No Oxford comma. C, your colleague is extremely bored and has nothing to do. Or D, uh, your colleague's nail has chipped. <clears throat> okay. <coughs> Again, whoever wrote these answers is lame because there are, there's, there are always two that are just like lame, like it's clearly not time for a manicure. Your colleagues yeah, they're being, they're being a little bit. They're being a little bit cute. Yeah, it's like what kind of lame Buzzfeed thing is this? You're, yeah. It's just clickbait. But your colleague is suggesting sass, petty, pettiness, or nonchalant confidence. So that would be the thing that we always did, which is like look at your fingernails as a way of being like, uh, I got you can this. also you know you can also determine whether you're homosexual depending on how you look at them. How you look at your fingernails? Don't you remember that? You get you take the test. Oh, they if say, you if you hold your hand out, yes, as opposed to turning yeah. them in. Oh. You you wonder how we got the. Listen, this is a side note. Y'all wonder how we got the way we are. That's why things like oh, that yeah. on the playground. Yeah, yeah. that's what, how that's how we're this way. Yeah. Do you show do you, when you say the number three? Do you use your thumb? In which yeah. case, the Nazis won't know you're uh, like an infiltrator. Or like the spy. Viet Cong uh, can't smell the soap. There you know? it is. They can't smell the soap. All right, you gonna um, pick? So it's uh, suggesting sass, pettiness, or nonchalant confidence, or your colleague is extremely bored and has nothing to do. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Times have not changed so much, and it is sass, pettiness, or nonchalant confidence, and yes! John, you are, you are, you, John, you slay, if I yeah, may say. I do. I'm slaying this Slay quiz. bells. I feel like, I feel like that, painting your nails, is just mm -hmm. like, I got this. Mm. Like, I got this so hard that I'm just, I got time to paint my nails because it's already Well, you know, camp. what I haven't mentioned is underneath these, then there's a little bit of, uh, to really, you know, kind of... Increase the journalistic um, uh, Veltenschong. There's a little explanation. Gen Z is going for a non-literal meaning with the nails emoji. Oh. New paragraph. The manicured hand could have several different nuances, including some sort of sass, pettiness, or nonchalant confidence. Right. That's there in the answer. Uh, uh, people in Gen <laughs> Z were early adopters of texting. They learned quickly how to develop and use uh, a quick nonverbal communications cues. Oh. Anyway, okay. it's all explained here. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> and they're doing their style guide apparently does this thing where new paragraph after every sentence mm -hmm. just to keep it light and and keep the keep the eye moving. I wouldn't even have periods. I mean, I think these these returns are <laughs> going to be very that's a, that's a returns are a microaggression mm -hmm. of a kind. Like, mm -hmm. ugh, I'm still with this. And, and just, then, you know, a big block of text Merlin like three yeah. sentences all together. Mhm. Mm uh, without a line break, mm. oh, it's just too, TL. Talking about the kind of person that, that sends you like forty texts, and, and each one is kind of a sentence. 
Sixth and final question, John is John. I might have I might have accidentally um, done like a what was the show twenty one. Like I might have just done a game show thing where I accidentally gave you the answer for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but forgive I, me. It's okay. It's okay. Six. Your Gen Z I'll colleague. I'll pretend I don't know. Please do. It's it's for the effect. Yeah. Your Gen Z colleague responds to you with the word "slay." What does this person likely mean? Your four possible responses: A, go kill something. B, you got killed at slash beaten by something. C, kudos, awesome job. Or D, defeat the dragon. I, I don't know if you play the in-seat back uh, trivia game in, uh, on Delta Airlines, uh, but it's a thing Trick that question. I... question. <laughs> I think it's... A, <laughs> Unless it's a, they make a home version, <laughs> I'll never know. <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> Oh That's my right. God! Merlin does not fly anymore. I don't. I don't like. And again, for the last we had the season finale of White Lotus last night, my family does not love when I say this, but I, as I have grown very fond of saying in so many circumstances, and that's why no one should ever travel. Especially on Delta or United or any other airline. Your Gen Z colleague response is going to be kill something, kill that beaten at, kudos slash awesome job, or D, uh, defeat the dragon. The problem with this is that all three of the wrong answers are just dumb. They're not even yeah. trying at this point. This is a millennial microaggression, probably, clearly. Yes, yes, thank you. And they yeah. had to like meet deadline. Oh, yeah. let's put let's add some vertical space by putting in uh, carriage returns. Yeah. Carriage and returns, by the way, you guys, comes from the age of typewriters. Moving because on. they're millennials, they were never. They were always told that they were perfect and got oh, three days, and so God. they didn't learn to be good comedy writers because the people gave them fake laughs. And this is why John hates a white ribbon. Answers. Why don't you people right. hate white ribbons? That's right. No white ribbons for me, and no white ribbons for go kill something as a possible answer to slay. <laughs> no, uh, defeat the dragon. No. Uh, no, you get killed at beaten by by something. No, no. It, the correct answer is kudos, awesome job, and. You slay. When you click it, what's it say? Kudos, awesome job, yeah! John, John, I have not been keeping the best score at this, but is, is it correct that you got six out of six? Is that six right? Six out of six. And you I, and are I, so ready. You're yeah, so ready to get yeah. into the workforce. Yeah, yeah. And stop using periods or commas or you know full sentences. You Lord, know that I think Lord. I would be I would be a great CEO. I think that I have what it takes to be a uh, you know, a uh, like a big idea guy, uh, a motivator. Like I, I, I think I could, I could just like steer the ship. But it's you know like, what it's I mean? John, it's like you're you're a visionary, and yet you're so human as a yeah. person. It's yeah. like you are, as we used to say, the topakaj. Like you, you've got it all. You 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 brought it all together. You have the vision, but you're also so down to earth that you're willing to just stop using an entire class of punctuation because it might upset someone who's a stranger to you. Well, what I've discovered, and you know this better than any of us, mm. uh, by that I mean of the two of us, yes, that founder-led startups often go straight into the garbage bin because the founder is a is a, he's making techs and he's tech and tech makes, and, makes yep. and they don't understand how to do biz he business because he was good at something five years ago he's now great at everything exactly. and now he's sitting there and he's like oh yeah. you know i'm changing the whole no oh, it's all about supply oh, chain i'm not merely I'm, just lucky in oh. terms of timing i'm also brilliant <laughs> yeah flurb 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 and i know all about marketing flurb, too flurb, and, flurb. you know yeah flurb 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 flurb, flurb. <laughs> and what a lot of those founder-led tech startups need yeah. is they the founder needs to hand over the keys 
and and appoint themselves chief technical chief, like CTC. <laughs> oh, you're saying get a role that's more um, more suited for what you're actually what you were actually once theoretically good at, yeah. rather than your reckons and speculations about what you imagine you're also great at. Yeah, all these founders of tech companies should give themselves like a white lab coat. And uh, and take the top floor of the building and ha and just walk around, uh, you know. Yeah, like, and, and never leave. Don't talk to yeah, other people. Walk you, around. You just, just be clacking. a genius. Be a genius up there on your own. What are those? What are those little balls that you roll around in your hand that have little chimes in them? The Benoit uh, balls. Yeah, little Benoit balls. Yeah. Just walk around up there with the lab coat with the Benoit balls. Let us run the company. Yes. And by us, I mean me. And I, yeah. you know, because I see all, I, I'm in a seven-sided lighthouse full of made of dreams. Yes. Right? Like, I, mm -hmm. I have a, I'm, I'm the panopticon here. I see the market. John, John, if you're in a seven-sided lighthouse made of dreams, forgive my saying, you, you can't help but see stuff. There it is. Your there vantage is. point has put you in a place where you're going to see stuff. Whereas, if you're the guy with the Benoit balls... And they have a cream for that now. You're the, you're the guy. You're the guy who's out there. And like I say, you you got a little bit lucky once. It's kind of like winning three hundred dollars in Las Vegas and and assuming that you're Warren Buffett. Uh, see that that's exactly right, Merlin. And that's the, the kind, Oracle of Omaha. They call him. That's the kind of analogy that somebody that could run a company might. John, come this up is with. this is not a new idea. I understand yeah. we're bringing in uh, literally thousands of new listeners every day, but yeah. this is something a long time ago. I think we talked about you walk literally walking into a boardroom in a bathrobe with a scimitar, mm -hmm. and said, "Clear the room." Like clear I'm, the room. now, I'm <laughs> I, now I'm the captain. Now that's right. You're now the, I'm the, the captain. Now that's yes, right. Yes, you're the, the, quote. the technical chief technician. <laughs> <laughs> so I do. I do feel though uh, that this uh, that this quiz here is it's the beginning now of a thing where you've you've seen these uh, these examples hmm. where uh, uh, some cultural outlet will be talking about generations and just leave Generation X off, like it does. I have noticed that. <laughs> where we're just not even. It was, in the it's game. almost like I don't want I don't want to exaggerate our importance uh, as a as a as being born in a certain period of time. But I, I feel like it would be a little bit like going, oh, let's talk about the five greatest British invasion bands, and it's got Paul Revere and the Raiders, but not the Beatles. Mm. Like we caused a lot of problems, John. Our our generation, our 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 cohort has caused a lot of bad shit. We should at least be in there. We should my at least be mentioned. My feeling is that a lot of those political polls uh, about the last election, mm -hmm. um, because of the way I think, I mean, I, I don't have a, a good explanation for this, but I think it's one of these like, uh, th these, uh, do you apply, do you, do you qualify for AARP? Like oh the uh, people between the ages of fifty five and sixty nine all voted for Trump, and and then people are concluding from that that Generation X is full of uh, conservative dinosaur white people who can't change, and it's a it's a it's a skew that is coming from the fact that all the writers now are millennials or the the people who are only people with landlines answer the phone for right and, <laughs> quizzes and, like that. And and so I'm so I've I've read a, a few think pieces about how Generation X uh, is part of the uh, the world that votes for Trump, like l lumped in with Gen uh, with the, the Boomers. Yeah. And I just I go, oh my God, are you really? Is this really how we're going to start talking about this? Right. Yeah. 
yeah. as the conversation switches to one where millennials and Gen Z are throwing shade again at each other and everybody pre-1984 is uh, is it's, just it's, sort of like, Ugh, but it's almost it's almost like like doing some kind of like ack. longitudinal act. It's like a longitudinal study about oh we have this amazing observation that people um tend their interest in Lego seems to like seems to um peak around age eight and and therefore we can draw these conclusions. Well, you know Winston Churchill had that was at least credited with that line of saying anybody who I love is, Lego isn't one that Winston I Churchill. I love Lego. <laughs> that I uh, the anybody who's not a not a liberal by the time they're twenty is hard hearted, and anybody who is in a conservative by the time they're forty is soft headed, which I think is is an interesting observation that does sort of track with the idea of like well, as people get older for their own selfish reasons or their own philosophical reasons, they but like you know all those people are going to become different people, but they're still going to be the same people. They're all going to get older, they're different things, and like before we even get to the fact of like yeah really. What the fuck are you talking about? That's that's that observation is going to help no one. I don't I don't think that's going to help anybody. What would you do differently to learn that Gen X loves Donald Trump? I mean, oh, what I, would I do differently? Well, but like, isn't that what isn't that kind of the implication here? Is like that? Oh, boomers are just uh, Gen X Junior, and they love Donald Trump. And it's I like, mean, I well, think I, I think the I think the implication is that with a sweeping generalization like that, it allows you to then discount anything those people say, right? Mm. So if we've decided that mm. Gen if Gen X are a bunch of uh, disgruntled. Uh, suburban whites who don't want, and you know, just like the sweet, forget about all the people in Gen X that aren't suburban whites, but that's, they all are, they all are Trumpies. Yeah. Then all of the Gen X people that are like, Hey, I, I had a thought about that. Uh, the other thing you were saying, uh, that maybe some of my experience might bring to bear. It's like, Nope, sorry, Gen X, you guys, everything you say is just nip here. All you all, you all own houses and you're all yeah, but like our, uh, our, conservative, our, our, out of touch. Our, our age and character class does not necessarily, in this sense, in this particular campaign, does not have to come with alignment. Like, don't guess how I am, you jerk. Well, and I think I think part of it that he had it good. If we stand around, if I stand around with my group now, I went mm -hmm. to a, I went to two parties yesterday. I went to Whoa. a party, I went to a neighborhood Christmas party that was full of olds, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we stood around and we talked about uh, mid-century modern furniture because it's in this neighborhood and everybody's got a everybody's got a names chair, and uh, then we talked about rhododendrons. I spent more time yesterday talking about rhododendrons than I have in a, in a year. Is that a perennial or an annual? Uh, uh, well, a rhododendron is a uh, is a perennial, but they can be a lot of work, right? Aren't those easy a, to overwater? Oh, uh, there's a lot, but up here, a, a, a rhododendron does not need a lot of care up here. Okay, they they okay. like being here. This is where they. I'll save it for Patreon, but I do want to hear about your rhododendron. They're not. They're not all native to here, but they love mm. it here. This is okay. where they. They feel they belong. Oh, it's like us in nasturtiums, huh? Like they yeah. just grow. There you go. And then I went to. Then I went downtown to a party in a bar. Ooh. Uh, that was a, a, a millennial friend uh, had a book release party. And she had a an eclectic guest list that was um, a lot of Gen X era post grunge indie pop superstars. That sounds like you, John. That's me. Mm -hmm. And you know, and all the people that worked in the labels and the radio around that era, and then the millennial cadre that came up underneath us uh, as indie 
rocker fans first and then bands and became then the next generation that picked up the torch and carried it. Mm-hmm. And now they're all old, right? Now they're all in their early 40s or they're, four, they're all turning 40. And they're like, we're 40 now. Whoa. <laughs> and their <laughs> bands so <laughs> their their bands are now irrelevant. You know, <sighs> like their whole scene is starting to fade. And it's and you've been to the or I mean back when you went to gatherings back or saw people in, yeah, in life. Yeah. Remember the that party at Ev's house where Elon Musk was? Oh, that one. I don't. Oh, Ev, you know. <laughs> where there were the naked people in bags? Yeah. Yeah. Well. But standing around, and you know, and it's what everybody does now. You stand in a group of four people, and you and hey, what have you been up to? Oh, this, that, and the other. And very quickly, it turns to kvetching. Everybody's kvetching about something. We know enough not to start talking exactly about politics, but you yeah, are yeah, yeah. you're trying to talk about politics by talking about some microcosm of it or something. And kvetching is one of the great things to do in a group of people. Mm-hmm. If you have a shared language and you know, when I say this, I'm, I am acknowledging. There's no, there's no greater way. There's, you're, you're getting at such a wonderful broad point, which is yeah. that broad, broad as in like applicable broadly, which is that like, if, if you're trying to like figure out a, like you, you will unintentionally figure out how to bond with somebody if there's something or perhaps someone, but there's something you both don't like. Mm-hmm. That's a great, that's a great <laughs> way to strike up a conversation with somebody. And in this group of people, Kvetching. everybody knows where we're all coming from because we're all in this, we've all been members of a scene, some of us, for more than 30 years. Mm-hmm. And it's a scene with a set of shared values. It's a scene that was, in some ways, and I mean, I mean in terms of inclusive of gay culture, very inclusive from the very beginning. Uh, in terms of it being diverse... Uh, racially and culturally, less so, mm-hmm. right? It, it, certainly right. not in the early 90s, more so all the time. But so there's a shared sense of like, well, here's the diversity that we know well, and we're all very comfortable uh, it, as sort of members of what I, no, I would never deign to say queer culture, but like we're very co- comfortable with queer Culture. But I mean, even like, and again, you can't tell these kids this because they, they have no sense of this, but like, you know, what my kid lives with is very different than what my kid might have lived with, let's say in the seventies and leave it at that. But, but also just that sense of like, who's do? You got a gay, a straight and a bi in the right. band. And that was never like a headline about who's do is that there right. were three different sexual orientations in that van. Because it was really all about taking ephedrine and playing really fast. That was so <laughs> much more important than, you know, than, than who Greg was attracted to. Yeah, right. But as against, say, like, I think probably, like, I don't know, but I've seen 24-hour party people, but for Pete Hamill coming up in the 70s, I bet advertising that he was attracted to men was not the kind of thing that's going to get you a lot of friends in a, in a depleted uh, factory <laughs> town like Manchester. Whereas it became no. more table stakes eventually, you know, by the nineties. Maybe not like you say, not so not so diverse. You get a you get a what do you get? You get a bad brains. You get a block party. You get a thin Lizzie. You're not going to get a ton of bands and and pet people at the party because that's just not that attractive to a lot of African Americans. You got a white trash. You got two hebes and a bean. You got this guy over here. <sighs> you know, not yep. me, not me. He says no no soup. You got no soup. 
But the mm-hmm. thing about it is that shared language, right? Where everybody mm-hmm. knows what the everybody knows you where know everybody's code. coming from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, but if you put if you took some rando, if you took some a BuzzFeed writer who's 24 years old from from Manhattan and stuck them in the middle of this party, it wouldn't take them long for their ears to start burning, uh, listening to people kvetch and thinking to themselves, oh, these spoiled rotten brats Mm -hmm. or, oh, these, you know, these precious, uh, like, uh, Gen X out of touch conservatives or whatever. Like there, you could find in that private language, and I'm not talking about a bunch of people standing around being being like ironically racist. It's not. No, you're, that. Not, you're not talking. We're not talking about like Southern strategy euphemism. No, no, no. It's just like more hey, like a shared a shared today, patois like or code switching where everybody knows what. It, when I say this, you know what I mean. Yeah, right. And 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 in a, in the fun of complaining at a cocktail party about how hard it is to X, mm-hmm. how how much harder it is to do this thing than it used to be how much weirder it is to be in this bar now than being in this bar 22 years ago, all that kind of stuff where if you aren't attuned to what everybody in the room knows, you're going to listen to it and go like, ah, they're just complaining about gentrification or, oh, they're just complaining about. Especially because again, there's, there's subtle distinctions that everybody else understands Right. I mean, we're not just talking about word choice here, but like there's subtle distinctions that everybody in that room remembers that will not be applicable to somebody today because they they only know the post the post subtlety era of something, whether that you know what I mean, whether that means like when saying you're a friend of Dorothy in 1970, like what (laughs) that meant or calling yourself a fellow traveler in the early 50s. I still use that term. Fellow traveler. Yeah. So you don't get called up by McCarthy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or I'm I'm always whenever I'm introducing a Jewish friend to another Jewish friend where the where the shared Jewishness is not uh, obvious right on the surface. Oh. I always go, uh, you know, hey uh, Jim, this is Bob. Uh, he's a member of the tribe, and then they <laughs> and then they both they both raise their eyebrows at each other. And go, hello, hello. That's subtle, very subtle. Hello, I like member that. of the tribe. Hello. Yes. Handshake. Dr. Goldberg, Dr. <laughs> Silverstein, Ahmed. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh-huh. <laughs>